1130 here on this snowy Friday. It's the 16th day of April. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Scott Foster is in. We'll hear about uh, the Husker volleyball game. Just another quick recap. Again, we'll have more information if you're just catching up with us of what time they will play on Sunday. Also, Bob Brogan just stepped into the room. He'll tell us how stocks are performing here to end of the week. And, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Paul Perkins to uh, recap this snow event that uh, much of us saw here in our listening area. If you're east of Grand Island, New York, maybe not as much snow, but 10 inches of snow near the Arthur area. Quite a bit. But let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield. And, Susan, out east, did you guys receive any snow so far? No, you all can keep it out west. We don't want it here. <laughs> I uh, I don't blame you. Now, you could use the <laughs> rain, though, right? Have you received any of that? It is drizzling a little bit. I actually okay. ran out real quick and uh, uncovered my garden. Um, so I, the moisture could just go through instead of soaking through the covers first. So, Well, at least you didn't get the 10 inches of snow. A little, little precipitation here and there will definitely, uh, you'll take at that point, I suppose. So Yeah, I think my garden might have been toast if we'd have gotten that much snow. That's no joke. Yeah, if you're in the sand hills and you had planted anything outside, uh, it's gone, by the way. Or yeah. at least you're not going to see it for a while. What do you have coming up for us on Midday? Well, we'll kick it off, of, speaking of weather, with Chad Moyer here at 1219 as he catches up with Al Dutcher in the weekly look at the weather, what we're going to see in the near future. Then at 1245, it'll be Clay's turn as he talks with Travis Augustine, is president of the Nebraska Auctioneers Association, and details all the organizations bringing back the annual convention live and in person in 2021. And you know, auctioneering, if you didn't know, is right up Clay's alley. He can he can banter <laughs> with the best of them out there. And then we'll wrap up everything with our FNBO's Friday Feeders. This is the last Friday Feeders in the series. We'll be hearing mm. from uh, Chad Moyer as he looks at the dairy once again. So that is us on a Friday. Stay warm. Well, we will, and uh, we will wait for the snow to melt, but uh, hopefully you don't get any of that nasty stuff your way. Are you getting snow in Lexington right now? Uh, it's got those big fat flakes, you know, they're, they're not, they're sticking, but they're, they're just noticeable. They're, they're more of a nuisance of anything, but it's mostly done. Okay. So. I was hoping for a snow angel. Okay. We'll go with it. We'll see if uh, Scott can do that. Thank you very much. Have a good one. That'd be great. Bye. Uh, Scott, uh, you've been, uh, I guess, asked to do snow angels. Is that something you can do? I did earlier today. Yeah. I guess I should have taken a picture of it. So okay. I, I try to do that well, right. as soon as I wake up. It's good. Uh, speaking of awards, which we weren't, uh, I would di- you may not know this, but I did want you to be aware that Bob Rogan was given the Most Viable Player Award uh, today because of, really, Bob. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he he brought. He's going to be humble about it, but he did bring in pizza today. I simply wanted to put something out that addresses all the food groups, and it does. It was breakfast pizza. And he nailed them all. And so most viable player award here at KRVN goes to Bob Brogan today. Oh, you're much too kind. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I've been I told that before. I'll take it anyway. Uh, speaking of uh, good, the Nebraska volleyball team, they're pretty good. Yeah, right. They were challenged a little bit yesterday by Texas State early on. Yeah, they won in three sets. They'll play Sunday at one thirty. More on that coming up. Uh, let's turn it over to MVP Bob. What do you have for us here? Well, for one thing, uh, Indexes are higher in uh, trading on Wall Street as a tick up in bond yields help lift the bank stocks. Also, U.S. housing construction rebounded strongly in March. And uh, those are some of the stories making headlines this hour. All right. Thank you, Bob. We'll be digging into the pizza. Until then, here is Clay Patton.
It's time for Regional Ag Weather Update, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins back in the studio. And, Paul, we have uh, some things to go over here. <laughs> and uh, the main topic is snow. And some areas received uh, a decent amount of snow. Yeah, especially towards the Panhandle. Arthur on into the Nebraska Panhandle, 6 to 10 inches of snow. Mm-hmm. That looks like the biggest amount we've seen so far is in the Arthur area of 10 inches of snow. On into west-central Nebraska. And then towards the Kearney area, we've had reports of upwards about two to six inches. The biggest snowfall total in central Nebraska so far in the Amherst area of six inches. There are a lot of locations about two to four inches. But as you go just to the east of Kearney, no snow. But Mm -hmm. basically Kearney and points to the west and southwest, a lot of snow. Broken Bow and Ord getting very little in the way of snow, but it is uh, getting some nice rains in those areas. It's heavy snow. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's slushy almost immediately. It's, It's watery almost immediately. So I suppose, if anything, it's just good precipitation that most of us were receiving. Yeah, definitely a lot of moisture with this system. Uh, it, I was surprised they did not have the winter weather advisory any farther east than Dawson mm-hmm. County because coming into work this morning, I was in the northwest part of Kearney, <laughs> and those roads were getting real snow-covered yeah. real quick, and a lot of snow coming at me. I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be a long drive to work. <laughs> now, I know you're going to tell us more here in a moment, but uh, unfortunately doesn't sound like this could be our last bit of snow. There might be some in the future. Yeah, a little bit of rain and snow next week, probably not to the extent that we're seeing today because these systems are going to be coming out of the northwest, so they'll be very much uh, lighter in the way of any uh, moisture. I suppose the one positive takeaway, uh, along with getting the moisture that we need, is the temperatures are going to get warm enough. They're still going to be colder today, but warm enough that most of the snow should be gone by the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it, especially in central areas where we did see about two to four inches of snow, I'm guessing by tomorrow it's going to be history as far as that snow. That snow may be persisting for a little while as you go towards the Nebraska Panhandle for about another day. Uh, Right now, the light rain moving north and northeast through the region, it does change over to more of a snow mix as you go into west central areas of Nebraska. A lot of this uh, rain and snow is along and northeast of a line from Ogallala to North Platte to Lexington and Kearney and Phillipsburg. Make that along and northeast of a line from Ogallala to North Platte, Kearney down to Smith Center and Ellsworth, Kansas. The leading edge of this rain snow mix currently from about Ainsworth to Ord and Lincoln and Fall City and lifting towards the north and northeast. Some pretty good moderate showers right now over northeastern areas of Kansas, but we are seeing some dry spots over southwest Nebraska on into west and central Kansas. Most of our temperatures right now in the upper 30s to the low 40s. We will see that rain and snow remain likely for today as low pressure tracks to the east. With the low departing to the east, rain and snow tapering off from west to east tonight. Since that low is in the upper levels of the atmosphere, we're not seeing too much in the way of any strong winds. Temperatures today around 20 degrees colder than normal, but that's not record cold. Tomorrow's skies will remain mostly cloudy. We might see an outside chance of some rain or snow with a disturbance sliding southeast on the backside of this area of low pressure. Our temperatures tomorrow warming to about 10 degrees below average. In between systems, Sunday looks to be a sunny and seasonal day. We'll see some highs on into the low 60s in many areas. Another cold front by Sunday night, ushering in some below normal temperatures for next week. Monday and Tuesday's highs look to be 15 to 20 degrees colder than the normal once again. 
Northwest flow off low pressure parked over the Great Lakes, also keeping those temperatures cooler than normal. Some disturbances dropping southeast off that low will keep those off and on rain and snow chances going for Monday and again on Thursday. But once again, these systems coming out of the northwest, so they won't pack a whole lot of moisture. There is some warmer news in our long-term forecast. Slightly cooler than normal temperatures will persist in Nebraska and Kansas the mid to late part of next week. But by next weekend through April 29th, the outlook now expects above normal temperatures to build east into Nebraska and Kansas. So ending the month of April on a warmer than normal note, any precipitation amounts over the next 14 days look to be minimal, but low normal precipitation predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through April 29th. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning, as low as the upper 30s in the Panhandle and west central Nebraska. Soil temperatures in the low 40s for most areas. The warmest soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s over central and east Kansas. Key weather factors influencing the market include rain and snow across the plains and cold in the normal temperatures the next 10 days. Rain and snow across the plains will gradually subside today. Early next week, a strong cold front sweeping across the plains and Midwest will generate some rain and snow and be trailed by a reinforcing surge of cold air. Frost and freezes may occur into western Texas and as far southeast as the Ohio Valley. Temperatures could fall to 20 or lower across the central plains. Today's rain and snow, a benefit to the wheat areas of the central and southern plains. Very little of the rain and snow, though, reaching the drought-stressed areas of the northern plains. Colder than normal temperatures the next 10 days across the plains and Midwest, reducing any planting that was underway. In central and south Brazil, light to moderate rain, not going to be much of a help to their second crop corn. Heavier rain towards Argentina, going to be unfavorable for their harvest. My favorite part about this was when you talked about warmer weather coming up in the future. Yeah, it looks like by next weekend, uh, some above normal temperatures looking very likely. And the middle part of next week, uh, not going to be too much colder than normal. But it looks like Monday and Tuesday, definitely some chilly temperatures once again, kind of like today, but probably without the moisture. So about another five days or so, we've got to yes. push through these below average, uh, the normal temperatures, and then we should get back to kind of where we're supposed to be. Yeah, hopefully May will stay on that warmer note and get some field work done across the area. All right, very good. Uh, for a full forecast, especially for this upcoming weekend, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Back with you on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer. It is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. Al, thanks for joining us here today. Boy, did it get chilly. Give us kind of the preview. What are we looking at, and what's in store for us here for the next week? Well, Chad, you know, the upper air pattern almost reminds me somewhat of what we went through in February, although not as significantly strong and deep as as we've seen in February, but the same type of thing. We've got a northern jet over the Hudson Bay. That Hudson Bay low has been carving out and bringing shots of cold air into the region dealing with not arctic air but sort of polar air for this time of the year and unfortunately we've been stuck in this pattern of upper 40s north low mid 50s south and we have an event that's going on currently and is moving across the state that brought some snowfall to the panhandle and into west central nebraska during the overnight hours and it still continues when i looked at the any rain network this morning before getting on the air with you Essentially, most of the reports were in the three to five inch range that were located out there, and we still have got more precipitation to come. 
And the good thing is, in terms of water equivalency up through this morning, anywhere from a quarter inch to three quarters of an inch for most of the areas that really need to see at the southern panhandle and the southwest. So as that system pulls eastward today, we will see that rain shield shift into south central and southeastern Nebraska. Actually, a little bit more precipitation than was forecasted a couple of days ago, about a tenth to a quarter inch in the Lincoln area. And as that moves toward the east, the heavier precipitation will fall across eastern Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. And then that system will kind of peter out as it moves toward the eastern Corn Belt. We will see a return of uh, warmer temperatures we get into Sunday. We'll see some clearing probably in western Nebraska tomorrow afternoon. And we'll see that all overriding eastern Nebraska as we go into Sunday. We'll return back, rebound upper 50s north to the lower 60s south. And then another cold front comes through. As another wave of cold air starts to push or rotating around that upper air trough over the Hudson Bay region, that's going to push some cold air against the Rocky Mountains. And as it shifts south, whereas we get into Sunday night into Monday, I feel like a fairly decent shot of precipitation across the entire panhandle. I would pay attention to the weather as the system gets closer. We may see some watches and warnings put out once again for that region, so some more moisture on the way. It looks right now that from the model that as that system pushes southeastward, central and eastern Nebraska will kind of be primarily dry for the most part in that front until it gets close to the Nebraska border. And then we may see some precipitation breaking out. But right now it looks light, keeps a heavier moisture to our south. So if that system doesn't push as far southward, then we'll see bigger moisture events across the southern one-third of the state. That system quickly rotates out. We start to see a warming trend, at least initially as we get into Wednesday and Thursday. Another cold front looks like it's going to come down the pipeline on Friday. We're kind of on that boundary between the two positions of where that cold air is going to funnel in. In the same token, some of the energy that ejects around these troughs these next couple of days is going to push toward the southwest, and that's going to come in through the southern stream. So we'll have to pay attention next end of next week. As that system starts to migrate out of the southwest toward the east, and of course that system coming toward the north, southeastern Nebraska right now is on the northern fringe of that precipitation shield. After that, let's pray that the models are correct. It looks like we're going to see a long extended period of significant warming, essentially starting around the 24th, and we basically see the models showing that all the way to the end of the month. Now, one additional wave is shown to move out the 27th. Right now, they're basically not doing much with it, so that's the only fly in the ointment as we get to the end of the month, and it looks like it's going to stay dry pretty much for the first full week of May with warm temperatures. I expect we're going to see a lot of planning taking place in that seven to ten day period all right very good uh, al good to hear that cool now but it's not going to be cool forever could see some good planting conditions thank you so much for the update this week al dutcher nebraska ag climatologist and this week's update here on the rural radio network chad moyer reporting it is time for midday sports and scott foster once again filling in for jason here on this friday and well it was Great news for the Husker volleyball team yesterday is, uh, boy, they got things rolling in the national tournament. Well, there was there was question and concern because they hadn't played for nearly three weeks, but the Nebraska volleyball team showed a little sign of rust in a dominant sweep of, actually showed little sign, right. not little. a little, yeah, no. little sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, first set, though, you and I were watching it. It was yeah. it was close for a while. Is well, they- old oil machine. Yeah, they really, they just, they put her on cruise control. Is they swept Texas State in the second round of the NCAA tournament Thursday afternoon in a closet in Omaha. The fifth-seeded Huskers, 15-2, and two, trailed in only one rally during the 25-18, 25-17, 25-20 victory. Nebraska hit 398 in the match, its highest attacking percentage of the season. 
With the win, Nebraska advances to the NCAA Regional for the 36th time. That's an NCAA record. The Huskers will take on 12th-seeded Baylor on Sunday at 1.30. You can catch that game here on 880-KRVN. The Bears, by the way, were beaten by Texas State earlier this month. Following a 2-1 series win at home over the Maryland Terrapins last weekend, the Nebraska baseball team, who's 15-6, will play its next six games on the road, starting with a three-game set at Penn State, who's 8-13 this weekend. The series at University Park starts Friday at Medler Field in Lebrano Park at 5 p.m. The teams then meet on Saturday at noon before wrapping up the series on Sunday. Head coach Will Bolden, in his second year, gives credit to the upperclassmen for making the transition that they've had so smooth. These guys have just been tremendous to coach um, from that aspect, the, the older guys, because they've just they've really bought in uh, quickly. And when your older guys buy in, uh, it just kind of trickles down to the rest of the roster and the rest of the team. And, and uh, you know, that's that's what those guys have brought and it's just it's made the transition uh, pretty seamless. The Huskers enter the weekend winners of 10 of their last 12 and sit at the top of the Big Ten standings with a half-game lead over Michigan. Nebraska is 9-5 and five away from Lincoln this season and 4-2 and two in true road games. Steve, Steven Matz aims to keep up his bounce-back season when he starts for the Toronto Blue Jays tonight at Kansas City. The 29-year-old lefty is 2-0 with a paltry 1.46 earned run average in his first season with Toronto, striking out 13-12 in in a third innings. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Much heralded when he joined the Mets and helped them to reach the World Series. He went 31-41, but seems to be playing a little bit better and hoping that the Colorado Rockies have softened up the Los Angeles Dodgers after their series. San Diego rookie Ryan Weathers makes his very first big lead start against Mookie Betts and the defending and probably winning again champion Dodgers in Petco. Now, you, you can hope all you want. Uh, we didn't soften them. We, we uh, if anything, encouraged them, them. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you're welcome. Going against Walker Bueller. 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 On that, we ended. Thank you very much. It is time for Midday News. Our own news director, Dave Schroeder, has stepped in. And Yes. Well, Dave, tell us more about what you're hearing about uh, a, well, a power outage here in the area. Yeah, well, anecdotally, I've heard maybe a little bit of an outage or a, a blinking of lights in the Lexington area, but uh, apparently there is a power outage out in the county of, uh, with the Dawson Public Power District, and it's district-wide. It's not... Uh, but they're affected affected about uh, 800 customers earlier this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're down to 400 at the last check, and uh, so they're still working on it. Um, it's district wide, so it's not just a one county area apparently. And um, now I'm just getting an update right now. Less than 300 customers Good. are affected by it. We should also add too that these are not just um homeowners these are meters that are also in pastures for cattle and also irrigation uh, uh customers though so i think the irrigators are uh saying a little thank you prayer yeah. today <laughs> so if you're seeing a power outage or if you've experienced one in the area uh that's why 
Yes, absolutely. Well, an Arapaho man will serve from 60 to 80 years in prison following his convictions of first-degree sexual assault and intentional child abuse involving a young girl. Casey T. Heinen was sentenced yesterday in Furnace County District Court. Furnace County Attorney Morgan Farquhar prosecuted the case. From my review of the sex offender report and my review of most of the other written information, I think it's very clear that Mr. Heinen is remorseful about the fact that he got caught. Defense attorney Justin Dakey represented Heinen. Between the information in the pre-sentence investigation report and those letters of support, it's clear that Mr. Heinen is a person with decent character, and I believe from Ms. Bauer's testimony, it's obvious that he understands that what he did was wrong, was very wrong, was a terrible thing to do, and he appreciates the seriousness of that conduct. Well, the case is not connected to an ongoing sex trafficking investigation in Furnace County. Nebraska's governor says he remains focused on the need for a new prison as part of the process to ease overcrowding, even as the legislature reduced the amount that would be set aside for a new facility prison during a second-round debate on the budget. Lawmakers reduced the amount of money for a prison set aside in the Capital Construction Fund from $115 million down to $100 million. Pete Ricketts says that whatever decisions the legislature makes on the issue, it's important to keep the process moving forward. Now, as part of the budget, we do have uh, nearly $15 million to be able to start the design work, and we are proceeding with a group called the Crime and Justice Institute to review how we're doing things in our correction system to look for additional improvements we can make on things like parole and probation and so forth. So we've got a parallel path here uh, with regard to reviewing how we're handling our current business, looking for additional reforms we can make, as well as uh, proceeding with a design project for the state penitentiary. Rickett says since it will take years to build a new prison facility, those dual paths are vital to the effort to ease overcrowding. And just a nut check again, uh, the Dawson Public Power District is down to less than 300 meters on this outage list. And, of course, that involves uh, meters all the way from Sutherland to uh, Shelton across the whole district. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder, keeping you up to date on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Talking fast and selling items to the highest bidder is the call of the auctioneer. And the Nebraska Auctioneers Association's having their annual convention at the end of this month. To learn more about what is all happening there and the things that will be coming forth, we talk with President of the Nebraska Auctioneers Association. Both him and his wife are this year's host for the convention, as that is typical of that office. We're talking with Travis Augustine with Reuter Auction and Realty. And give us an overview. What does the auctioneers convention look like for Nebraska? Auctioneer Association. I think we have a really good offering coming up for this year. Friday morning, we start with real estate classes for those that uh, need some continuing education hours. In the afternoon, we go into the Auctioneers and Ringman contest. Looking forward to a great contest, great auctioneers in the state of Nebraska. Excited for that, to hear what everybody uh, has to bring to that. That evening, then on Friday, we have a social hour and fun auction. Fun auction's always, a, you know, that's, just a, that's just a great time to, to hear everybody, the 
the stories that get told and the you know from the auctioneers and stuff is just it's just great. Saturday is a busy day. We have a general membership meeting and then we move into presentation from our uh, legislative watchdog. That's going to be informative. And then we have uh, uh, in the afternoon the main focus is going to be digital marketing strategies. There's a couple sessions on that. And we're also going to hear from our great vendors. Uh, our sponsor vendors are going to have a chance to uh, tell us what they have to offer the auction industry. And I think everybody can, uh, all the auctioneers can benefit from that. And that re- the public benefits from that, too, because a strong auction industry is good for the consumer. And then that evening, we have Kentucky Derby theme for a, a race time and mingling around a banquet with awards followed by dueling pianos. So there's also some events on Sunday. So hope the auctioneers in the state can come see us all weekend. Travis, where you help put together the convention and the breakout sessions, is there one session that you're most looking forward to? Well, we always like to hear from the vendors. Uh, you know, there's always a change on that side, so we're excited to give the vendors a chance to speak with us, but also the digital marketing. Digital marketing, whether it's online auction event, or it's a live auction event, or if it's a simulcast, digital marketing is becoming very important, too. I'm excited about that side of it. This is 21's convention. 20 not able to uh, occur, if I remember correctly, due to the pandemic. So are you expecting a pretty large turnout of folks wanting to come out i hope so you know i really do expect a good turnout i know everybody just kind of wants to get out and do something 20 was a challenging year and as far as the auction industry goes i have to commend our our members they they really did adapt to the the changes uh in 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 instances thrived so you know i'm i'm excited to hear what people did do that and and change so that's part of the reason for getting together and the reason i think there's going to be a good turnout is there's people share ideas and that that's that's one thing i didn't mention within the 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 rundown of the convention Sometimes the the best uh, information you pick up is from your peers and from your fellow auctioneers. The social time, just in in visiting, whether it's over a cup of coffee, over a cocktail in the evening, can be just as important as anything else. You know, in uh, the interviews I've been able to conduct with auctioneers, Travis, I've had the opportunity to interview you before past presidents of the Nebraska Auctioneers Association. There always seems to be one word, I think, that closely intertwines with auctioneer, and that is entrepreneur. They discover the problems, they come up with solutions, and they keep their business model moving forward no matter what the situation they're in. So definitely have to agree. It's going to be interesting to hear the stories of how, you know, whether they went to an online format or anything else. Talking about the legislative update, I know Diane Duran, the executive Secretary, she sends out a weekly informational bulletin about what's happening in the unicameral. Is there anything specific to the auction industry that's closely being watched this year and will be updated at the convention? This year, it, it was previous to the legislature going into session. We there was an issue, there was a topic that we we did address or had input with, had to do with some reporting that would have been put on members. That was kind of done ahead of the legislature session. Uh, this one, there isn't anything in there right now that we're watching real closely. But the nice thing about the legislative report is it can it maybe doesn't deal with just the auction industry it might deal with something in their community that will affect them or their neighbors so uh, it, it's great having that uh, it, it's important it's a big part of our lives you know the legislative side of it really is our lives and business both Ned Travis, here comes the hard questions. This is one where we turn it back on your administration as being president of the Auctioneers Association. What would you say has been your biggest accomplishment over your last year of service? That, that's kind of hard to say. 2020 was challenging. You didn't know um, how to, uh, you know, how much you could do, how much or how little you should be doing. We, we tried to communicate was was a lot of it. That that was the challenging part. I don't know if there's any real big accomplishment by any means, except for really trying to do everything possible to keep the the auction method of marketing 
in whatever form uh, at the front. And and uh, the auction method of marketing is alive and strong, even through the, the 2020 coming out of it. I see the auction industry, you know, continue, continuing the strength, if not stronger. So uh, if anything, you know, that just be a part of that is what I'm excited about. That is great to hear. And now that your year of service is coming to a close, a new president will take in after the convention. What comes after your year of service to the association? Just involvement, trying to be an active member of the association. Our association is made up of the members. The members are what make it great. Uh, it's not necessarily the president or any other uh, any other role. It's it's the membership. So becoming a, an active, involved member is really my goal. Again, we're talking with president of the association. That is Travis Augustine. Travis, we appreciate your time and information that you've been able to provide us with here today. Uh, it, before we close out, though, final closing thoughts is to end the interview. I just want to first of all thank all your listeners for participating as buyers and use and as sellers in the auction industry. That's without your listeners, you know, we don't have the business. So we really appreciate that. And uh, I just like to say tip of the hat to our, my fellow auctioneers. They have really done a nice job over the past year and a lot of years prior. But uh, with all the challenges in the last year, I just like to commend the auction industry in general and the auctioneers, and again your listeners, I mean, for being such a great advocate of the auctioneers. Thank you again, Travis, and thank you to all the auctioneers as well, because many of them in our affiliate stations air different programs like Auction Time that promote a wide variety of livestock equipment sales, land sales, and much more. And again, Travis Augustine, he's president of the Nebraska Auctioneers Association, their convention coming up at the end of the month in Hastings. Find out more when you visit the podcast at ruralradionetwork.com. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Major indexes are mostly higher in trading on Wall Street as a tick up in bond yields help lift bank stocks. Technology companies, which have typically moved lower when bond yields have risen, fell modestly. The S&P 500 was up two-tenths of a percent and on track for its fourth weekly gain in a row. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note rose to 1.57%. However, bond yields are down noticeably from the highs they hit earlier in the month, where the 10-year note had traded at a yield of 1.75%. U.S. housing construction rebounded strongly in March as home builders recovered from an unusually frigid February. The Commerce Department reporting today that builders began construction on new homes and apartments at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.74 million units in March, a 19.4% increase over February when housing construction had fallen by 11.3%. The Biden administration says the U.S. is setting up a $1.7 billion national network to identify and track worrisome coronavirus mutations whose spread could trigger another pandemic wave. White House officials have unveiled a strategy featuring three components, a major funding boost for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and state health departments to ramp up gene mapping of coronavirus samples, the creation of six centers of excellence partnerships with universities to conduct research and develop technologies for gene-based surveillance of pathogens, and building a data system to better share and analyze information on on emerging disease threats. The effort relies on money approved by Congress as part of President Joe Biden's coronavirus relief package for the rural radio network i'm bob brogan chad moyer 
with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it is time for another segment, a Friday Feeders segment. It's brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. As we wrap up our chat here in northeast Nebraska and on this series with Doug Temme. He is a dairy farmer from Wayne, Nebraska. Doug, thanks for joining us again here today as we wrap up our series. Again, we've been uh, examining this concept of beef on dairy. Uh, Doug, if you take us back to the beginning, again, just kind of remind us, where did this concept come from from you? Why did you decide that uh, utilizing beef genetics in your dairy herd might be something that you want to try? Well, Chad, it was a case where we had more bull calves, um, more heifers than what we needed, and we were selling the, the steers as in the beef, and you realize that if the animals are black, um, they grade out better, they bring a higher price. So we tried a little bit, it brought more money, and so we have expanded from there. So, And I think you said you've been doing this for about two years. Uh, what sort of lessons have you learned? Uh, how, how has this worked for your dairy? worked really good on average at least probably net out another three hundred dollars per animal that we sell into the beast so it really helps from that standpoint it um, makes a difference really between making a little bit of money and losing some money and as we've gone along we've started looking really close at how many actual Holstein heifers we need for replacements in our herd and just use sex semen to get sort of that close to that number of Heifers that we'll need on a monthly basis to calve in and start breeding everything else to the beef bulls. I know it's been kind of a short time, two years, but have you made any changes or kind of adapted this beef on dairy program specifically for your dairy over time? Uh, the big thing, I guess, would be just that we've gone, instead of beef as sort of a cleanup to more and more using beef as our first choice on some of the animals. Your best cows, you still breed to Holstein uh, using sex semen, but a lot of cows that maybe uh, you look at the genetics and you sort of go, well, maybe we really don't need a, a heifer calf out of her. So you go ahead and just breed her to a black bull or a beef bull and, and go from there. And again, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, too. The the fact that, uh, you know, even though you are a dairy producer, you can positively contribute to the beef industry. And we recognize that, too, right? Yeah. When you look at it, you know, a lot of the beef, I think it's close to 19 or 20 percent of the beef actually does come out of the dairy industry, either in the bull calves and in coal cows. The reason I kind of bring that up, too, is your time that you spend on the Nebraska Beef Council. Uh, just as we kind of wrap up, uh, what, what are some of the focuses on Nebraska Beef Council beyond beef on dairy, but just for the beef industry overall? The Beef Council, we're always looking at ways to help the, the beef industry, doing research and, and other things. Uh, they just, at the national level, come out with a new five-year long-range plan and research opportunities and focuses of things that we need to look at. One area is that I take interest in is the sustainability. And we've been looking at the environmental sustainability, but some of the new areas that they're maybe going to look at, it'd be the economic sustainability. You know, what does beef or livestock in general mean to our state? Well, and that means something, doesn't it, beyond making money for yourself, but it's how do you support small rural communities, right? Yeah, you know, the the economic and the social sustainability, you know, what does, you know, the people that serve on our church boards and other community things, committees and groups and the whole gamut of things that the livestock industry indirectly or directly supports. Again, we've been visiting with Doug Temme, a dairy producer from Wayne, Nebraska, and has been our guest on the Northeast segment of our Friday Feeders feature, cultivating this idea of the beef on dairy concept. And again, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. I'm Chad Moyer on the Rural Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the World Radio Network as we check in on the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, yesterday we got to see something we hadn't seen in nearly 10 years. That was $6 corn there on the MAVE board. And now going into Friday, we flirted with $6 once again, but this is two consecutive closes lower. Do we do any technical damage on the charts here to go down and maybe retest something like 560 565 in that May contract? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think the, the forecast on, on Saturday and Sunday will, will be a huge factor here. And I'm speaking with the Brazilian forecaster. They kind of adjusted a little bit of rain over the last two model runs into uh, into the areas that need it. And then pretty much, I'm not a meteorologist, so I don't quite understand the, the, the weather. But to simplify from what I've heard, they have tropical rains up north, and a lot of the rains in the south need to hit before that happens because it tends to dry out. So... A lot of corn that I've seen in those areas are about ankle high, so it's it's really imperative that they get the moisture. Um, But I also think it was a little bit of a reversal in wheat and corn trading as well. We had a wheat story that, um, you know, it probably is going to, I don't know, it depends on on how uh, it's covered, but uh, Russia is going to restrict the navigation of any ship into the eastern Black Sea in November. So um, it's kind of a, I don't say it's illegal, but that's that's an ocean basically or a, body of water that they're restricting access to now and um, you know between this and the, the tariffs that uh, were put up yesterday with the sanctions by, uh, by the U.S. administration here uh, you saw some uh, merchandisers pull out so a lot of Western merchandisers aren't going to be working out of Europe uh, Western Europe or Eastern Europe rather at this point so uh, that's worth noting here and you know you could have two markets develop where you have the, the Russian supplies going to Russian markets and then you know, the Western supplies going to uh, to other markets. So short term here, I look for, you know, this for, this weekend's forecast to dictate. I think wheat, you know, has a story here beyond the harvest. The harvest should be pretty good, uh, in my opinion. And then, uh, you know, it's whether y'all folks get moving. And from what I hear, it's snowing out there. We've got about 15 seconds. John, any comment when we look at the satellite imagery and we see that huge line of ships going from Brazil out to China, does China really need to step back into the U.S. market anytime until we see more on our soybean crop? No, they won't have to, but that's already priced in. So at this point in time, you know, you're going to see supplies really pushed. Uh, and, and, and anything we don't produce on the crush is going to miss out on the bean oil market, which closed at two highs as well. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, that's DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up today's edition of Midday. If you missed anything, you can catch the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devaney Motors. That's at krvn.com, or you can find it in the Google Play or iTunes Store.